You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. We've discussed four signs that your relationship won't last. So this week, we're going to talk about some ways to enhance your relationships. Hola, hola, everybody. Thank you for listening to Carly's Couch. Hey, y'all. I'm excited to be here. Just got back from um, out of town, haven't taken a trip in a while, so that was kind of nice. Even though, I don't know why y'all choose winter, because I was cold as hell in Oklahoma, so I am happy to be back in L.A. It is 90 degrees right now. Who is choosing winter? Everybody who lives somewhere that has a really cold winter. They're opting into that. Yeah, I'm not a fan either, to be honest. But I do like um, visiting the East Coast, and I like like that crispness of the winter and the cold. Just not like on a day to day when you actually have like errands to run and when you have to shovel or do any of those things like that's the part I'm good on. But I do like the Christmas. I miss that um, being in L.A. like just seeing seasons in general. Um, But yes, I I for sure appreciate this Los Angeles weather as well. Um, So you listened a couple episodes ago we did um an episode on signs that your relationship won't last um with some scientific based research on that if you haven't listened to it i think it's like 163 so go ahead and run that back and so this week we're excited to talk about some positive things that you can do to enhance your relationships i mean it's positive but it's still like some work so yeah don't, don't get to it <laughs> we didn't say easy it's not, yeah it's not exactly an opposite episode which would have been like oh if you have these things Like, it's definitely going to be great, but this is like, hey, more things to think about if you want your relationship to be awesome. But if you're into the self-work and into growth like we are, you're going to still learn something from it and appreciate it and want to do these things to to continue to strengthen the relationships that you have. Absolutely. So it all started with the TikTok um, where someone it was like, state your state in a controversial opinion or something that'll piss people off. And uh, whoever it was, it was a therapist and they were pissed. They were like, you know, the five love languages are bullshit. And they were like going off on this whole tangent. And they mentioned that they weren't like scientific based, that the person who wrote them like wasn't an actual doctor in that field. And I was like, huh? Because the five love languages, like everybody knows those. It's been translated to pretty much every language the book has into like every language in the whole world. So I fell down this huge rabbit hole of research, um, which is kind of how we got to this topic today. And so um, Gary Chapman, who was the author of The Five Love Languages, was a pastor and um, was counseling married couples in Winston-Salem, which isn't that your your people? Mm -hmm. That's where I grew up. Oh, cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. But um, he doesn't actually have a degree in counseling and didn't do any studying. Not to say that you can't glean information from that. And so I'm not belittling his experience. But I started researching and there have been studies after to see if there's any statistical or scientific significance of the five love languages. And like all in all, the findings are pretty much nah. So I thought that that was really, really interesting. And although it's a great concept, um, I can see that where there's a lot of faults when it comes to just the five love languages when it uh, when they're used to like that's the way to love your partner. Um, yeah, and so I think that's interesting that there's not necessarily any scientific base on it. Um, I think that his book and his work probably became super popular just because of how easy it is to digest um, and because of, I imagine, you know, everybody loves to find some labels for themselves. So it makes it easy for me to say, oh, yeah, I like this one and this one. And to think about 
okay, now I can relay that to somebody to feel like I'm having a better relationship. So I actually, while I like think that is interesting that there's no scientific studies, um, I also don't necessarily hate on it because it's also, I think it's still valuable to understand or, or to, to know what do you appreciate from a person. Like, I don't think it has to be that deep. Um, it may across the board not affect the relationship. I can see that too. But I think to be able to say like, hey, I really appreciate quality time. Like, that's a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that anybody in any relationship would and should still talk about. So I'm not, I don't, I don't necessarily like hate on him or think that this isn't useful at all. Um, but it does kind of seem like people just use it and like put themselves in a box and move from there. Um, yeah. What are the five love languages? If you know? They are words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, gifts. And then what's the other one? Quality should, time. Quality time. I think one of the main things that always stood out to me with those original five love languages was to me, it, it seems like a very clear, like immediate, just a reflection on what your insecurities kind of are. Mm. Um, that's what I've always thought. Like if mine is, for example, words of affirmation has used to be the top and now it's kind of changed over time. But I also know because I like, like I feel like I need somebody to like hype me up. I like to, to get that uh, certain types of validation, et cetera, right? So if you, whether you need quality time or whether whatever, like, I think that just kind of signifies where you need to be shown something that maybe you've been missing or you haven't experienced as much, or, um, that's just kind of that strong place where you could use a little bit more validation. That's kind of how I've always like seen them reflected in people. Oh, wow. You know, what's funny is I've never thought about that, but mine is quality time and, you know, something I've been processing is like a fear of abandonment. And so quality mm-hmm. time and abandonment, you, you need, know, yeah, the more abandonment. I could just see you and be around you, I feel okay and secure in the relationship. Oh. I feel like that's, that's literally all I would think about when I would see those. And I'm like, oh, okay, this really tells us about ourselves, I think. Um, and also thinking about it, like there's not necessarily a one piece or like one language that you necessarily would ever have. And it could change based on like what's changing with your attachment style or your security or your past or whatever. So I do think it's valid, though. I think that, yes, yeah, somebody who may have dealt with a fear of abandonment, it makes sense that they care about quality time. And I think their partner should understand that. And your partner can, you know, know that, hey, you want to see me. So, yes, of course, I think that would make the relationship stronger to understand that. Absolutely. That's so interesting. What is yours now? You said it's not a words of affirmation anymore. Um, it's kind of changed to where quality time and affirmations are kind of up there the highest. Um, but all of mine were really close. I'm like, oh, touch. all of it's kind of cool. That's the one I'm in touch. Oh, one okay. I earlier is physical touch. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Physical touch is one. Yeah. And then also to, for example, my least one, I want to say might've been gifts, but think about what that kind of reflects sometimes where it's like, Oh, you don't want to feel like somebody has to do something for you or, you know, like that's probably more so why mine would have been there, but it's much higher now. Like I'm, I want people to do things for me or get things for me or, you know, all of that. So that was more a reflection of a mindset thing um, than anything. Man. uh, So I love that outlook and I think they're still useful. I just think that um, there are some issues in the way people apply them. Like, Oh, this is how I love. And this is how I like to be loved. And the conversation kind of ends there. It's like, Oh, I give you gifts. Like, isn't that enough? And it's like, yeah, that's one piece of it. But there's also a bunch of other things to be considered in relationships. And so, um, when people go on the attack for the five love languages, I think that's one of the biggest things is like not recognizing that, you know, we all kind of need 
uh, all of them. And depending on the day, they could be different. And that, you know, that's just one aspect of a relationship. Yeah. And I also think it's kind of weird to hate on them on the five love languages because, yeah, obviously there's more to your relationship. Like, I mean, why would you be mad? Because somebody came up with these five categories, but clearly there's a million other things that have to do with with how your relationship's going to work out, how you respect each other, et cetera. So I don't know. To me, it's like it, I don't think anybody was taking it that deep or you shouldn't be angry about it or like taking it that deep because that's a very obvious thing. Like it's never just one thing is solves the whole relationship or makes the whole relationship awesome. Absolutely. Um, and it's just funny because everybody, it reminds me of Family Guy, like the what grinds my gears. Like, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has a, just a thing that really just takes them off for no reason. But what I really do like about the five love languages and, you know, it's widespread, you know, how it has touched a whole bunch of people and a bunch of different countries is that it kind of gave us a question. It's like, how do mm-hmm. the people we love like to be loved? How do we like to be loved? How do we give love? And I think it opened a bigger conversation instead of just loving someone how you want to, like that could be the miscommunication. Yeah, which is what we tend to do. And I agree. I think that it was good at getting more of those discussions out there. We always talk about understanding what you actually want and need. Um, And in the same vein, it's respecting another person's like, where are they coming from? Or even just recognizing that it's not the same as you. I think maybe sometimes we do just automatically do the things that we want, which we would kind of assume just because that's just the way your brain works, that that's what they want and that they will appreciate that. But then, I mean, I've dealt with this many times where it's like, like somebody feels like they don't appreciate certain things you do. And it's like, they ain't asked you to do that. That's just what you would like to be done for you. So it really is a question of, you know, understanding another person, understanding yourself, and can you guys communicate those things so that now we can put this to actual work and play um, and kind of stepping outside of ourselves to make this a better whole. Absolutely. And now we're going to dive into the five things that can help strengthen or enhance your relationship. And this part of the conversation was kind of inspired by some work from the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicola Pera. Um, and cause she, I guess, deep dove or took a deep dive into the five love languages and was just in all her work with couples was looking at, you know, the things that really stood out to her in ways to strengthen your relationship and better love your partner. So did she do uh, scientific research? Is that the thing where she's like, Hey, but you know, five languages is cool, but I did work to figure these out. I think this is, well, I'm, I'm actually not sure. Okay. Um, I'm not sure, but I know that she like has a, like, that's what her doctorate is in, is in this like relationship psychology and in working with couples and stuff. And so here from her, I guess, research and from like her actual like life experience, like these are some of the things that she okay. thought were important. Okay. Yeah. And I think all of these are important. I, again, it's cool if you know what your love language is, but also all of these things we're getting ready to talk about are going to be very helpful in, again, understanding more about like who your partner is and how they respond, what they respond to. Um, so the first thing you can do to strengthen your relationship is understanding your partner's trauma. Hmm. That sounds like having a lot of deep convos and understanding your own to be able to talk about that. Do you think that's your responsibility, though, Carly, to to understand your partner's trauma? Um. I think in them being your partner to a certain extent, yes, Uh, to own it, to fix it, to make them better, to heal them. No, absolutely not. But to understand it, working in a relationship with them, like, yes, because I think if you don't, that can lead to a lot of misunderstandings and missed opportunities to, you know, support them. Um, But I think it is important 
um, but not your responsibility to heal. And I think that's the difference is like a lot of people and maybe I'm just talking about myself, but like whenever, you know, something with somebody, you try to like help them fix it or help them do stuff and recognizing that, you know, each one of our own traumas and all the things we've been through is our journey to heal ourselves. And it's nice to have somebody with you who kind of understands what you're going through. Mm-hmm. But how can you know what that trauma is? Like you have to really understand it. Um, it, it's a lot of talking. <laughs> um, so for example, like, let's say y'all get into a fight and they shut down and, and leave. And you'd be like, well, what? You don't love me anymore. And it's like, no, actually, you know, I grew up in a violent household and this is how I have to get away from situations. It's like, oh, now I understand why you do the things that you do. Now it makes sense to me. So one way to know is if they just straight up can tell you those things. Yeah. One or to ask questions to get to, to get to know them. Like you said, a lot of deep conversations. I think um, sometimes you kind of infer, though, as well. Like, if you hear them talk about certain things, like about the parents, um, something that may have happened to them, I think sometimes we don't even necessarily understand what is our own trauma, or sometimes it's kind of revealed to us in a way that I don't know if your partner might not just have a list like, hey, by the way, here's my personal traumas, A through Z. Um, But for you to kind of pay attention and then maybe to ask about what you see, Um, Or for you to pay attention to uh, some of those actions that repeat, like the way that they respond during conflict, things like that. Um, But I don't think that tells you like what happened to them per se, uh, unless you can maybe get into the conversation about it. Um, But I think that's even just as important just to even recognize certain situations where maybe things change or they act a little different or it seems like a sensitive space. Um, And I think it's something over time also like these these uh, things you can do to strengthen relationships are very, like, personal. And so, you know, if you're just dating somebody and you've been dating for a few weeks, even maybe a few months, like, this might not be the space to, to be doing these types of conversations necessarily. Um, but it is something to think about and understand. Like, uh, you may be dealing with somebody who, you know, they don't seem to be very close, close to you or, like, don't like being touched and you don't know what may have happened to them, like, as a kid or what, you know, they just probably might not like physical touch like that. So there's lots of things that I think uncover and you kind of have to just kind of be aware and give grace to as you're seeing like what what these dots could be connected with. Absolutely. And this also isn't like, hey, you know, I noticed you don't like touch. What's wrong? Like, don't like also like letting people tell you on their own terms Mm -hmm. and kind of open up. And the only the best way to do that is to provide them a safe, trusting, loving, like brave space for them to open up to you and giving people time to do that. Like maybe they will, maybe they won't. But it takes a little bit of time and understanding. I hate being just asked a lot of questions from somebody who's like, "Mm, hey, like you don't really know me, know me yet. And also, I feel like some questions, the way you ask them, it's like, it's obvious, like, this is the type of question for you to, like, experience, and then we kind of see what happens. Like, if somebody was just like, oh, what are your traumas? That's, and then the first thing that comes to my mind is just like, what? I don't, you know, like, I don't even know where to start, what you're thinking about right there. But if we're in something, you know, conversation or something happening, then maybe that's something to connect when it happens. Um, so if you know those traumas, though, or you kind of have a clue as to, how how that trauma reflects in a partner. Now, what does that change about your communication and the way you talk to them or approach them that makes your relationship any better? Well, you know their triggers. You know, like what situations to maybe be more gentle or more kind in. You know ways to approach things a little bit better, like where you can be mm-hmm. more sharp or what you know, not like tiptoeing around on eggshells, but you know, you know if they're actively working to heal something, 
then you might avoid that until they're ready to talk to you about it. Like not pressing them if you know that that's something that bothers them. So you're able to approach communication and life in a way that's more respectful of them and their boundaries and what they're going through. Mm -hmm. That's good. Respecting um, what you say, what you do. Like if you know what those buttons are, you're not necessarily going to be pushing them if you know they have you know, really bad issues with their parents, you know, come Mother's Day, Father's Day and stuff like that. You're not gonna be like, oh, are you going to go see them? Oh, why not? Like, you know what's going on. So it's like, let's not, you know, be all in your face as if things should be different when you know what their traumas are. Mm -hmm. And if you know how they respond to things like their conflict uh, styles, like you're more like understanding and giving them space if they need that or telling them that you need space if that if you know that they need to get a response from you and so you're just able to like flow better with them through life and through things that kind of come up mm -hmm. um the next one is nervous system awareness yours and your partners and so this is essentially knowing and understanding where you are in your body and kind of where they are in them and acknowledging that you know knowing where and what I mean by like knowing where you are is like noticing what your body's doing are you in fight or flight are you stressed out are you angry um are you triggered like kind of what's going on in the moment helps you to be better in communication with your partner um because a lot of fights can be cyclical like if you're getting triggered about the same things then it's good to know, like, hold on, wait, we're falling into this pattern. Like, oh, wait, something's wrong with me. I'm getting triggered by this. And then you're able to approach it in a better way. And I feel like I'm talking in circles a little bit. <laughs> well, so nervous system refers to, um, like, the physiologically, like, how mm -hmm. we're reacting. Our adrenaline, our uh, stress hormones, our flight or fight, fight or flight. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, so in this, is it, it's kind of connecting and, like, being one with your body and, like, knowing your body and connecting to where, you know, I know I, if this feels different or I feel off or making sure you're understanding how that connects with how you feel and now how you, like, react or speak to another person. Yeah, I think I have a good example. So let's say that, you know, I just am feeling off today. Like, I kind of feel sad I don't necessarily know what's wrong but I can feel myself being off and then my partner did something to piss me off like I, I'm just bothered instead of like flying off the handle at them for something I know something is wrong with me so instead of like going into a fight or into this weird situation I can just be like hey I'm kind of off today like you know I need to take some time to figure out what's going on with me or if let's say we had a date scheduled or something and I just know that I'm not in a good place for that and I'm with myself I'm able to reschedule and to, to share with, with them that I'm processing something. So I think it's good to know, like, where you are so that you can better communicate with your partner. And then after, you know, y'all are together for, you know, a little while and you start to notice where they are, too, it's you can help de-escalate situations. Like, if you notice they're getting irritated, you can say, hey, you seem a little bit stressed. Is there anything I can do to help you? Like, it just helps whenever we're all aware of, like, where we are in space and in our bodies. Yeah, but it's interesting that all of these things sound good with the first and second concept that can help strengthen relationships. But and I guess maybe I can only speak for myself, but I think very often, though, it's still, like, it, it's hard for that to matter sometimes. Like, if you want to do a thing and you're, or you're excited and then the other person's like, hey, I'm really, maybe not if they say it in the right way, but, like, let's say they kind of, like, get a little attitude or you notice, you know, something's a little off. But I feel like we oftentimes kind of tend more so to, like, try to push it. Like, man, what's wrong with you? Like, why you always you have an attitude or this or that? And I don't – I think that 
it's hard to like back up and try to honor like, all right, how are you feeling right now or what happened? Or most times it's like you did something anyway to like trigger them and now that's triggering you and then it's like goes back and forth. Um, but how can we maybe even identify or like stop ourselves and be like, hmm, let me think about your nervous system awareness. That Like it just seems so lofty to me. So very much in yourself. So we talk about a pause. Um, if you've listened to any number of episodes, we talk about a pause before you speak, before you react, before you respond, like whatever it is, just pause. And I think a quick thing to check in with yourself very physically, like, is, is your jaw clenched? Are your shoulders up by ears? Are your, do you have the Arthur fist? Like, are your fists like super tight? You know, is your breath really shallow and in your throat? And if it is, your body might not be in its relaxed state. And so taking a moment before you do say anything, maybe take a couple of breaths. Like I know they taught that to us when we were little, like take a breath and count to 10 before you yell at some, whatever it is. But there's a little bit of truth in that. And so just being more aware, this is a great practice, not just for your relationships, but for your life, like your entire life, just checking in with yourself and knowing where you are in space. And then with your partner, if you do notice that, you know, their jaws clenched or they look angry, maybe their, their forehead is furrowed, like, you notice that something is kind of going on and it gives you a little bit more perspective in the situation. Not saying that you're, you might not, you might still be angry. You might be whatever, but at least you're more aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And like with the first one, you could kind of tell, like, oh, now's not the time for me to, you know, be smart or say this or that. <laughs> Perhaps. Even if you want to. <laughs> yeah. So just kind of paying attention to other people's cues and your own and just moving with a little bit more awareness there. The third thing is a commitment to each other's freedom. Carly, have you ever been, like, a lot of needy energy? Um, you know, I always feel like I'm more needy than I am, but I've had partners communicate that I'm really not as needy as I think I am in my head. Um, so I'm kind of in a conundrum with that. So yeah. I feel kind of needy, but I guess I'm not super clingy with it, maybe just in my head. Yeah, no, it doesn't have to be all the time. I've definitely had lots of times where I've been giving off, like, really needy energy, and I know it's like, oh, I want want you to be right here, or I want to know, like, what's going on with this, or what's that, and... Just, you know, being in some ways insecure about certain things mm -hmm. or whatever. But nobody likes that needy energy. Even I don't like it. Like, I don't like it when other people are like that with me where it feels like, yo, like, let me breathe or, like, get off my back a little bit. Um, and to have commitment to someone else's freedom is kind of like, can we just, can we exist without it, like, feeling like, oh, man, you need to have me here. I'm, like, being captive or, like, in prison right now because, you know, you need X, Y, Z. Um, when sometimes each partner also needs their own space to breathe. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, people get into relationships and it's like, oh, you know, we're the goal and we're this. And sometimes people can lose their sense of themselves in a relationship. And is remembering that we're two each whole individuals in a relationship, a committed relationship that we choose to be in every day with another person and making sure that you remember that. It's not like trying to manipulate it to make them you know, put you above everything else in their life because that's what y'all committed to. That's not necessarily it. And it shouldn't feel like a, like love shouldn't feel like a cage. Mm -hmm. And I think we can notice with ourselves sometimes when we kind of want somebody else to be in a cage. And I think that can be natural. It's like you want to feel like this other person is just like worshiping you and they want to be around you at all times. And they only want to laugh if you're in the room and they only want to smile if they see you. Um, that's that like running joke. They say that guys make all the time. It's like, okay, have fun without your girl. Like, no, <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, but loving somebody also is respecting like the things that they want, need, like to do to recharge, which may be by themselves, or it may be, um, that you guys do need to have a, 
your separate lives and separate things that um, you can feel kind of free to do. And also, even with like other people, right? Like, I think these are all things to talk about, but it should feel less like you have to be here. We have to be together. We're doing X, Y, Z and more of like, hey, I'm happy that like you're choosing me today. Like I'm choosing you today. Tomorrow you're choosing me. I'm choosing you. And for somebody to choose to want to be with you and spend time with you means a lot more than you feeling like, like, oh, as soon as they walk out the door, what's going on? Um, and so there's a lot of trust involved in that. And I think that it can be difficult to look at it from that lens, but you have to have that freedom to where it's like, let the person choose to be with you. And then if they're not or don't want to or whatever, then that's where your boundaries have to kind of come in to let them you know, go or do what you need to do for you. But um, you need that freedom just as much as that other partner might need it as well. So also remembering like what you need and what you want when it comes to this. Yeah. Not losing yourself in relationships, like still having your own life. Um, how do you, if, if people feel, let's say like, you know, they want to give their partner freedom, but they feel that, that like clinginess, oops, that they have to like, you know, hold on, like what are some things they can think about or maybe do to help them like let go of that? Of feeling clingy? Yeah. Where of feeling the need to like try to control or like, like I need you to choose me like this whole thing. Like how can I mm. be committed to their freedom? Like how can I let go of that um, neediness or that like, like when you're clenching, you know, the butterfly to death in your hand? Yeah, I guess. So one thing I guess is kind of to continue to ask yourself, do I, do I want this person to want to be here and like trusting if trusting that they do. And then another is you may need to go do something yourself. Like you may need to go hit up a friend or go do something or get out um, and spend some time and enjoy some time with other people, not necessarily in like another romantic way, but um, just kind of make sure you're living your life or that you have that life outside of it. Um, and also maybe looking at the evidence of, hey, how often does this person reach out to me or call me or do we see each other? Or when we do see each other, are we having fun? Um, depending on what level of relationship you're at, like sometimes whatever else might be going on or is going on isn't your business. But if it is, then I think you can still pay attention to like what's happening. And it's like, oh, I am getting lots of love or this person is choosing me consistently. Or just because this person wants to go to dinner with their friend doesn't mean like your relationship's about to fall apart. Um, so kind of just keeping things in perspective would be good. No, I think that's great. Um, uh, the next one is to know when your egos are speaking. And I think this is huge. So what? how do we know when our ego is speaking? I know my ego is speaking when I'm interrupting a lot or um, kind of looking for things to, like, defend. Excuse mm -hmm. me. So, like, if I, if I feel like I'm being attacked, and that doesn't even mean, like, they're really, like, yelling at me or saying anything crazy, but whatever it is, I might kind of feel attacked. Um, and I'm not really listening, but now I... I know I'm just trying to prove, like, what are you saying wrong? Um, that's a big indicator for me. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Um, another one is, I think, like, whenever I'm focused on whatever the situation is for me, like, it has to look like a win. It's not a win-win situation. Like, we're not in this together. It's a win-lose. Like, I'm trying to win. Like, if I'm trying to win something, that's definitely my ego because we're not in this together, and I'm looking at it as a me versus you thing instead of a we thing. And I think that's, a, like, a very big indicator that the ego is talking. 
And another one is when you can't see or acknowledge your flaws. So if something's being brought up about you, um, again, and you're being more on the defensive instead of listening and understanding, like, why they might see that or is that even right? Because sometimes, you know, a person is right and you can acknowledge and move forward with that. Um, but if you can't even see what's wrong or what you may be doing to hurt them or whatever, um, that's definitely the ego speaking. Yeah, and then if you feel like everything is about you or, like, they're doing something intentionally to hurt you, like, oh, they're going to dinner tonight with their friend cause, because of me. If you start to make everything about yourself, that's also an ego moment, and you should probably check on that. Mm-hmm. So then what can you do if you're feeling like that, for example? Man, self-check like does that make sense like you know why am I taking everything personally right now like what's really going on getting to the bottom of your feelings um and checking in like because those feelings don't come from nowhere it's from somewhere so it's like oh maybe I'm actually feeling really insecure today because I haven't seen him all week or whatever and then kind of processing that with yourself and recognizing that that's not their problem that's yours and you should you should you know refocus on yourself and what you can do for yourself in that moment I would also say, and this is kind of hard at times, especially if you're in like that emotional state at that time, um, but try as hard as you can not to say anything. Um, Literally every time I'm like, oh, where are you at? Or like, and like asking like kind of more questions about stuff. It's like the more, the more you do it or like every time I would do that, I would always be like, oh man, I should just not, like why did I get worked (laughs) up or why did I get, you know, whatever, because it wasn't, either wasn't nothing or it's like, you know, it just ends up, like, being an argument or something stupid. But the longer you can just not say anything, like, not put the press on the person or um, not just, like, automatically assume X, Y, Z, at least not say that, um, you're going to let it unfold and kind of, you know, see what's really real. Um, and you don't necessarily have to acknowledge it. And in conversation and other things happening with your partner, as long as you can go without speaking, again, is probably a good practice. Like, really try to listen longer before you say something, which is hard for me because I'm interrupting all the time. And I get called out on that all the time. But if you can just not talk and listen, it'll kind of, like, give you space to, like, reframe and calm down. Yeah, that that's a big one, listening longer. Um, and I would also say is checking in, like, Cause we can, we're all intelligent enough to lie to ourselves. Like, oh no, I'm really just seeing what he's doing today. Cause mm-hmm. I want to see what he is. It's like, no, bro, pause. Like, why are you about to ask this man where he's at? <laughs> like, you know, really, why, why does it matter in this moment? And, and being real with yourself and recognizing like those those type of toxic habits that we have that feed our insecurities and all of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that can help strengthen your relationship is non judgment and non interference. Man, so I heard a quote um, that said something like true love is whenever you allow your partner to be themselves and trust that they're going to make the best decisions for themselves in the moment. And I think this non-judgment and non-interference means practicing this in action and allowing them to be on their own journey without trying to control them or them their decisions or how they feel. Like it's like really letting them live life for themselves and not trying to skew everything towards you or to make yourself the forefront of it, but trusting that, you know, in loving them, they're going to make the best decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of control in relationships, um, especially, like, if you don't catch it. Like, it's, I, I don't know what it is about it, but, like, we really just, it's something that we always feel a need. Or maybe I shouldn't say always, but I feel like most people probably, whether it's at some point, often, is I don't know, but we feel like this need to, like, kind of, like, control this person and control this relationship 
And I guess it makes sense. Like, it's like a guarding yourself and guarding your heart and all of those things. Um, but it does make everything so much more dramatic. Um, and I can say that while also being like, but yes, you do want to control it, right? You do want to, you know, this person to do things the way you want, or you do want the relationship to end up a certain way, or you do want, you know, what you want. Um, so that's a very difficult thing. But when you're judging a partner, um, however that comes out, and I know we've talked about judgment recently as well. When you're doing that, you're kind of telling that other person like that they can't be themselves. Uh, resentment grows. And while you may be wanting them, like judging them and, and maybe wanting them to do things differently or another way, um, that just leads to you guys kind of falling further apart because of the resentment. Yeah, and if you practice this non-judgment and you know, non-control, non-interference with their journey. Like it instead creates like trust and safety and autonomy and they know they can be themselves and a healthy interdependence because we shouldn't be codependent in relationships or necessarily independent, but you know, we depend on each other for the things that we commit to and that allows the relationship to grow. But it does make sense why we try to control it. It absolutely makes sense. You're trying to protect yourself. You love this person and you want it to work out, but real love is allowing them to and trusting them to do what's best for them, even if sometimes it's not the best thing for you. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, people always say too that it's you can't love people until you love yourself and all that. And the way I could kind of connect that with this also is that you're going to be if you, like if you really are in a space where you love yourself or secure with yourself, then you would be kind of in a space where you're not so pressed about exactly what a person is doing and or um, you're okay with you know, watching your boundaries and, you know, you don't have some of those issues. So I feel like the more controlling and the more like air quote issues we have in our relationships kind of just really reflect those places that we need to work on, um, and our own attachment styles and securities, et cetera. And, you know, so as we go through life, like with all relationships, romantic, friendly, family, et cetera, um, it's kind of always putting a flashlight on ourselves and just showing us where we need to Make sure we're aware of how we're moving and, and why. Ta -da -ta. <laughs> that was not, that's a great um, wrap up. So think through these five things. So understanding your partner's trauma, nervous system awareness for you and your partner, being committed to each other's freedom, knowing when your ego is speaking and practicing non-judgment and non-interference and notice like what you struggle with or notice where you can pour into. I know I can pour into all of those areas, <laughs> mm -hmm. but like Lexi said, it really is just a, always, as always a flashlight back on myself. So hit us at Carly's couch this week. Let us know, you know what you're practicing um, either for yourself or in your relationships. Yep, and this week, Carly, you have a shout-out. I do. Okay, so I went to this amazing um, beauty industry event. It was my first event for Hope Letter. I was so excited. Mm -hmm. And um, it's called, I met this amazing woman named Jacqueline Carrington, and she's the founder of People of Color Beauty. And it is their mission to celebrate and represent people of color through their nail polish collections and the stories that they tell. So um, they want their tribe to know that their brand celebrates them and their beauty and their most recent line was with uh, for Native American Heritage Month, which is November. And they worked with women in tribes to figure out, you know, what herbs are really important to the different tribes, what they were used for. And then they based colors based on those, those natural herbs. And I think that's really cool. So you can check out their website, peopleofcolorbeauty.com. And they're also on Instagram at peopleofcolorbeauty. And it's all nail color? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, different. Cool. Actually, yeah, when I should have brought it, but yeah, no, different nail polishes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's interesting to check out. They probably have Instagram and stuff too, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. 
Um, and then this week's question of the week is when was the last time you felt uncontrollably happy? Man, so uh, <laughs> I was in Oklahoma this past week and I took my mom to the gathering place in Tulsa, which is the number one park in the United States. Uh, they spent like 10 or $15 million on that joint. It's really cool. But it was a perfect day outside. Me and my mom swung. But then she had to leave and go do some stuff. And it was just me. And I played. Like, I went down a slide or two. I was on different kind of swings. And just enjoying the beautiful fall foliage and the views and the sky. And I just was, like, smiling. Like, my cheeks were hurting from just enjoying my day. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds like a good experience. Mm -hmm. What about um, you? I don't remember an exact time I felt uncontrollably happy, um, but I can recall that it will probably be. So sometimes I will like, uh, we'll get in like a mode where I'm just in my room and I might like just be dancing or just like kind of let yourself be free in movement. Um, so I feel like it'll probably be something like that where I just feel like I'm either in nature, kind of like one, I feel really happy in those moments or when I'm just like moving around, it's kind of like just being random. Um, but I don't really remember an exact time recently that I would say I felt like uncontrollably happy. Oh, I love that though. Little like moments of joy throughout the day. Like if it's dancing or doing whatever. So hit us and let us know when was the last time you felt uncontrollably happy at Carly's Couch on every social media platform. <laughs> and we're so happy you joined us again today and look forward to talking to you next week. Peace. Yeah.